listening to Hunting Pixels, the one and only official video game podcast of Culture Pop. We have quite a show for you today. We're going to be combining a couple of our favorite topics of conversation into one just fantastic, just, you know, like, chef's kiss topic of the show. We're also going to talk about the media that we've... I can't believe I just made myself laugh. Um, there we are. The media that we've consumed, the games we've played, and of course, our regularly scheduled picks of the week. I am, of course, your host, the one and only Bebop Man, Josh McMullen, and I am joined, as almost always, by my two co-hosts, Dylan, doesn't like change, Martin, and Austin, doesn't spare change, Stevens. This is true. That's... Mm, that's accurate. Uh, but we are also joined by a very special guest today, Mr. Skyrise Excellence himself, Justin, I am an Italian, Ruiz. I did not make that one. Yep. No one did. Nope. It shows. <laughs> How's it going today, fellas? The scripted stuff does so well. Scripted stuff does not play in this arena, sir. Well, uh, yeah. How how are we doing, fellas? I know Justin's you know snipping his thousand dollar bill stacks or whatever. But he can't but, buy uh, a PC. And he can't buy a PC. It's crazy. He spent seven billion dollars on a house that's not even on the beach. Okay. We are five minutes from the water. It's just not like a beach, but we are close mm. to the water. Mm-hmm. Are you near Rockaway Beach? No, it's very far from that. Oh. Uh, very, very far from Rockaway. No Ramones, no, you know, no wow. Shana is a punk rocker. There are no punk wow. rockers. Um, there was something but. else that you were saying. Oh, that I can't buy a PC, but um, yeah, all my money's tied up in the railroads. I don't know what you. <laughs> I don't know what you guys. You know, you you you're all like, oh, just spend it, but it's like, you know. <laughs> He's that old money. <laughs> right. Anyone here ever want to be like a train conductor? A conductor? No, not even remotely. Not what remotely? About you didn't want to just like travel the tracks even as a hobo? Not a, No, hobo. not as a conductor. An engineer, yeah. To drive the train, no. that would be fun. But like punching tickets? Fuck that. Is that what a conductor does? Yes. He doesn't conduct the railway? Who knows? I didn't know that. No, the engineer That's... is the one who actually drives the train. <laughs> yeah. Listen to the man whose wealth is tied up in railroads. Yeah, that's true. He's got it all. <laughs> what is he conducting then? Like fucking ticket checking? That's yeah. <laughs> that's kind of sad. Like you give the man such a high title, and then it's like, here's what you get to do. Here's your hole puncher. Absolutely. And they get a hat. Kind of feels like management, actually. It is. It's yeah. basically management. Oh boys, well. We've been uh we've been doing things, right? Austin, That's true. you just got back from MomoCon. Well, you didn't just get back, but yeah, it's been a few days. But it's, it's been a few days. Yeah. How was that? Tell us about it. Well, I can tell you that we will be going back next year, but I will not be purchasing a four-day membership again. Um, to me, so <clears throat> I don't want to say MomoCon was kind of a letdown, but. It, it, it was kind of a letdown. Um, all the panels and like, so 
first of all, this shit wasn't really organized all that fucking well, and you can kind of tell. Um, I, I also found it increasingly concerning how easy it was to take whatever you wanted in there. Uh, there was no, there was no pat downs. There was no bag checks. Like there, there was literally nothing. Uh, you just got your badge up at the front and then you showed your badge to, uh, uh, security guard and they just, they let you right in. They don't check for anything. And, and I feel like that's, uh, a very concerning thing, but, um, the panels were, they, they didn't have too many super interesting panels going on. Uh, I think the most interesting one that we didn't, that we were, uh, ended up missing and only really caught like the last 10 minutes of it was, uh, they had a whole, th uh, panel for, uh, Neo Divergence and gaming. And I thought that that was really fucking interesting for the five or 10 minutes I got to see. Um, the, the most fun for me was the vendor hall. The vendor hall was really fucking cool. Um, just, just having all these fucking... Uh, dude, there had to have been at least like 75 different vendor booths set up inside this small little area. And it was it was just so cool how everything was set up. Uh, they had a car exhibit where people who, you know, do do like the the big ass anime wraps on their cars. Uh, they had those pulled in. There were some really fucking cool ones. Uh, there was a Chainsaw Man one that was just absolutely incredible. Um, a My Hero one. I got to talk to the guy who owned that car. We were talking about it a little bit. Um, that was super interesting. Uh, the, luckily I had Mad Madison there with me, uh, when I did my first walk through the vendor hall, cause she stopped me from spending a lot of fucking money, uh, which is, which it, it was kind of nuts that it, it felt like I paid $80 to get in here just to spend $600 cause I spent a lot of fucking money in that vendor hall. Um, everything was super worth it. Um, it was a super, super cool experience, and some of the cosplays I got to see, dude, were so fucking incredible. Like, these were some really talented fucking people. Um, uh, I, I, I took, I got a picture with a couple, and I, I put it on my, uh, put it on social media, but I ran into a couple that was doing a, uh, a Josuke and Kira cosplay, uh, from JoJo Part 4, and they just fucking killed it. I was talking to them for a little bit. I, you know, asked them how they made the costume and how they got into all that. Uh, they didn't order, you know, they did they, these weren't just costumes that they ordered off of Amazon or whatever. Like these were handmade, handcrafted costumes and you could tell how much love and detail went into them. And there were a lot, there were a lot of, uh, really amazing fucking cosplayers like that. Um, I saw Jolene from part six, uh, from Jojo part six. That was equally as incredible. Uh, there was a, <laughs> there was a group of cosplayers that, uh, we, we didn't talk to, we really wanted to, but they were swarmed with fucking people. So we didn't want to be just another couple that comes up to them just to talk to them about their cosplays. Um, but it was a group and they were, uh, Faye from Cowboy Bebop, uh, Misato from Evangelion and Tifa from Final Fantasy VII. But they were all like bunny girl costumes and they just looked fucking stunning. They were just absolutely incredible. Um, that was that I think was honestly my favorite part, just getting to see all these cool cosplays because that is something I really want to get into. Um, I cosplayed on Friday as Giyu from Demon Slayer. That cosplay lasted all of three hours before that. Uh, I couldn't find my wig caps. 
Uh, I knew I know Madison has like 45 of them, but we couldn't find a single fucking one for whatever reason. Uh, so I had to go without one, and the wig was just so fucking irritable after a couple hours. I couldn't even stand the shit anymore. So I just went to the vendor's hall, bought a change of clothes, and just changed in the fucking bathroom. Um, but that that was hands down my favorite part, was just seeing all these really cool and talented cosplays. Um, I did, uh, on Saturday, I had that uh, Digimon Regional Qualifier Tournament. Uh, I did not do as well as I wanted to, and I didn't do as well as I feel like I could have. Uh, I think I got in my own head a lot, which is very common, uh, especially when I'm kind of riddled with anxiety the way I was for this event. Um, but I, I, I think my final placings, uh, out of 128 people, I placed 66th. And that's not terrible. That's, you know, that's creeping up to the top half, still technically bottom half, but creeping up to the top. Um, but I, I got to meet some really awesome people that, that were willing to uh, sit down with me and kind of, uh, like one guy even like grabbed my deck and was kind of like going through it and like showing me uh, like, hey, if you didn't know, you can do this and makes this easier for a cheaper cost. And like he was, like everyone I met was just incredibly nice and and wholesome and very welcoming. And that, that uh, I, I know I've talked about it on the show before. I played Yu-Gi-Oh! competitively for a couple of years a little while ago. Uh, I stopped after we had August because Yu-Gi-Oh! was just way too expensive of a fucking game and I had to get out of that shit. Uh, I ended up selling my whole collection for like $2,000. Um, but I, uh, uh, it, most of the people I've ever met at a Yu-Gi-Oh! tournament are incredibly fucking toxic and full of, and just full of themselves. Uh, but everyone I met here was just so, so loving and welcoming and, and, just overall really really nice fucking people and even though i didn't do as well as i wanted to it didn't uh it didn't kill the drive for me it, it act like it, it just made me want to play more it made me want to uh start going back to locals again and, and get better and be able to uh more confidently compete in these kind of events um but we we will be going back to momocon next year because we did have a good time some of it was a little bit of a letdown, um, but for the most part, it was a really enjoyable experience. Uh, I, I think that for me, the biggest thing was it, because uh, it's in the Georgia World Congress Center. I don't know, well, I'm sure Justin fucking hasn't, but Josh and Dylan, I don't know if you guys have ever been there for anything. Um, it's basically like a four-story building. Everything was split up on all the different floors, so it was a lot of walking, a lot of stair climbing. And it did kind of take a lot out of me. It kind of, by Saturday night, I was wore the fuck out. Um, <clears throat> I do think that the food there was kind of, uh, this, this was also my first con like this, so maybe I just didn't really fully know what I was walking into. But god damn it, dude, $15 for a fucking hot dog? Get out of my fucking face. I am not paying almost 20 bucks for a, one fucking hot dog. Uh, the food there was ridiculously fucking expensive, which really fucking sucked, because it's like I had all this extra money put back just for stuff for the vendor hall, but a lot of it ended up going to fucking food, just because there's not really anywhere else to go. You're kind of just stuck there eating the shit that's there. Um, but we will be going back next year, just not with a four-day membership. We'll probably just go for, like, the Friday and Saturday or something. But I it was still pretty good. I rough. have so many questions. Go ahead, shoot them. What are your questions? Um, someone grabbed your deck. Yeah. 
I wondered who laughed at that. Because oh, <laughs> my mic was muted, but I fucking died too, so I'm glad it wasn't just me. I was like, of course those people were nice. They grabbed your deck. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the other comment I have now. was, oh, you're kidding. The three girls dressed up as bunny versions of Tifa Lockhart and other anime characters had a lot of people around them? Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. They were, I, I honestly felt kind of bad because they were like swarmed with people the whole fucking time they were there. I did not see those girls by themselves at all. Yeah, I, re- I, like, I remember Damn. one Comic-Con, there was a girl who dressed up as the female version of Nightwing. And there were a bunch of, like, just very, like, very dude, comic book guy-esque dudes around her. Yeah. And they were like... They were like, so how long did it take her to make this? And she's like, 18 months. This is full leather. Like, she went to the whole thing. She was such a professional. That's not but, what uh, they were interested in. No, they don't they give were, a yeah. fuck how long it took you to make that. Yeah, they're like, can I smell your hair? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> what kind of shampoo do you use? Um, the other question, uh, so this is legitimate. Not, not, nothing about deck grabbing or how well you built your deck. Um... <laughs> The question I had was, what were what were they selling at the booths? Like, was it all just like paraphernalia? Dude, it was it was everything from there were there were vendors there that only sold manga. There were comic. There were you know like standard comic book vendors. Uh, there were a lot of local artists that came in and like had prints for you to buy. Which uh, there was one guy specifically. I I ended up picking up like three or four prints of his because they just they all looked so fucking good. Um, <clears throat> They were pretty lewd, though, but, I mean, most of the fucking artists there were. Uh, there's a whole... Oddly enough, uh, I you know, I'm, I'm a weeb and I'm a degenerate, but I'm not that level of degenerate. A uh, lot of body pillow vendors, dude. Like, a lot. I think me and Madison counted, like, ten of them. And they were all, like, around each other, and it was weird. Um, but the biggest... Uh, the most of the shit... Most of the shit that was there was just, like, figurines and stuff. Um... Of course, all of the lewd ones were, like, incredibly expensive. Uh, like, uh, I'm sure Dylan probably has it, but Josh and Justin, have either of you guys ever seen Gundam Seed? Yeah, I love Gundam Seed. Uh, the, I... you know, the pink-haired girl, Lacus? Um. She was, like, the main bitch. Yeah, uh, I, I think, I think I know what you're talking about. They had... <laughs> They had a bunny girl statue of her, and I was oh. dead set on that shit. I was like, I don't give a fuck how much that is. I'm buying it. I fucking want it, and I'm going to buy it. And then I took it up to the register, and I asked the guy how much he wanted for it. And he looks me in the eye, and he's like, uh, yeah, we could probably do 700 for it. And I was like, no, you can have this shit back, dog. I'm not <laughs> paying $700 for that. I'm good. You could have this shit right back. That's, that's almost my rent, sir. I can't do that. My brain you- cannot justify that. But you drove away in the Chainsaw Man car, though. You were Dude. like, this is worth it. It's <laughs> so worth it. It was an awesome car. All of the cars there were really fucking cool. <clears throat> yeah. Well, it sounds like it was a success. It was. Uh, we, despite some of the some of the panels not being super great, um, they one of the one of the panels we went to, I, I was kind of pissed about. Uh, it was Pokemon Jeopardy. 
I didn't really want to go because I didn't really care that much. But then Madison was like, listen, if you're going to do good at anything here, it's going to be this. So, like, you need to just work with what you got. And so we went. Um, there was 800 people trying to go into that one room for that panel. And they handed out tickets to everybody who wanted to play. And they were like, we're going to randomly call your ticket. And Matt, I didn't want to do it because that was the same day of the tournament. So I was already nervous and kind of, uh, you know, riddled with fucking anxiety. And I was like, no, I, I, I don't want to do it. I'll be fine. She made me raise my hand and do it. And I was like, well, there's like hundreds of fucking people in this room. Surely they're not going to call. They're, I'm not going to get picked. No, I was like the second or third person that got fucking picked. <laughs> so I was like, this is great. Um, and they partnered me up with some dude. This motherfucker hogged the buzzer, did not let me have that shit. And I kept telling him the right answers that ended up being the right fucking answers. And he was like, no, that's not it. And then wouldn't hit the fucking buzzer. So we didn't win. I think we got like two fucking questions because towards the end of it, I eventually literally just snatched the buzzer from him and started answering. Um, but that was cool. Hmm. Well. Sorry, I was just texting uh, our friend Jeff a uh, message to say, um, start body pillow company tonight. <laughs> mm. Dude, apparently there's well. money to be made in it because <clears throat> we, so the con started on Thursday <laughs> by f- f- Friday afternoon. Most of those body pillow vendors were completely sold out. I think there was one or two by Friday afternoon that still had stock, but they were all characters that nobody fucking cared about. So there's definitely money in that shit somewhere. I don't know why or how, but there is. For sure. You know what there's not money in? What? Net Netflix. Justin. That's, that's topical. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Justin, you watched Our Father. What is that? What is this? So, I'll um, I'll start off by saying, my wife and I watch a lot of TV when it comes to like Netflix, HBO, Apple TV, the Hulu, the whole nine yards. But we watched this movie that was on Netflix. It's a documentary. It's called Our Father, and it has a really interesting premise. And before I go into the premise, I just wanted to say something about Netflix documentaries. Netflix documentaries have no resolution. They just end, and somebody just basically shrugs and, say, and says, well, it's still going on. And nothing actually, like, concludes. They just inform you of this situation that's happening, and then there's no resolution. There's no, like, well, people banded together and actually were able to change this. It just continues into the ether as if like they're like you're welcome we informed you of what's going on here you're welcome so i just wanted to get that off my chest because i think it's it's like lazy filmmaking maybe some people will agree with me as film buffs but i think it's lazy um this is your cue to agree or disagree with me um well i'm trying to think about it i uh, I don't know. I a lot of the Netflix ones that I have seen, I think I tend to agree with you, but like um I don't know. Uh, like I want to say that that's accurate, but I also like don't think that that is necessarily accurate. Well, 
here's the way this one shaped up. Our Father is about a doctor in the, I want to say it was the 60s or 70s. Uh, I think it was the 70s. Mm-hmm. He was a pregnancy doctor and essentially like uh, a specialist on in how people can get pregnant, right? So he was one of the guys who's on the cusp of artificial insemination. So, you mm. know, couple goes to, you know, couples trying to get pregnant. They can't. They go to this guy. He says, you, you might be a candidate for artificial insemination. So in that vein, what they do is the husband or the soon-to-be father will use his own stuff to then essentially have like a device place this into the woman right i'm trying to be as nice about this as possible right the word you were looking for was come i just wanted to throw that yeah, out thank there. you oh yeah, my no, god yeah. yep well there it is it's on google yeah i found it um yep so this doctor this particular doctor was one of the best and he had so many good results all this stuff it was terrific he was written up in magazines so there were people who are now born in like, you know, the 80s or 90s, whatever it is, and they now find out about 23andMe and Ancestry.com. And when they pull up their report from Ancestry.com, it shows in this one town, I think it's out in the Midwest, that all these people have like 4,000 relatives in like the vicinity. And long story short, this doctor was not using the husband's, I'll quote unquote, come. He was using his own. Oh, what? What the fuck? Yes. So you have, <laughs> what? like, th- so the, the, at the end of the documentary, and like, spoiler alert, because I, I think this is just me telling the story is more entertaining than watching this, but... <laughs> At the end of the documentary, they say there were 92 half-brothers and sisters in this town. Good lord. Jesus so, fucking Christ. And that's not even the end. The, basically, this is why I say it's bullshit, but at the end, they're like, and it's still counting. And <laughs> the crazy thing here is when they brought up criminal charges on the guy, because in a lot of ways, if you think about it, this, this sort of constitutes, I don't know rape but when they brought up criminal charges on him the guy got like a slap on the wrist community service and like a very like a $500 fine or something like that and all of these like half brothers and sisters like banded together to basically say like you know this is, this is completely messed up like what if one of us started dating and we didn't even know it <laughs> so I wonder if that has happened like the f- when you first started, I was listening and I was like, I don't think I could ever watch something like that. And by the end of this, I'm like, yeah, <laughs> like I kind of want to watch it. And there, yeah, there yeah, was, there was sort of like a because it's called Our Father, but there was sort of like a religious tinge to it because the guy was like super devout Christian, like the way oh, he, of course, yeah, right, exactly. Of course, he was. Um, the way he justified this was like, you know, like I'm doing a service for the lord because <laughs> of procreation don't like that yeah so god it's a real <sighs> i don't think this that's is how, amazing like Cain and Abel turned god's out, work 
Yeah. Right. Jesus Christ, literally. Me and Madison did want to watch that. It is on our list of something we want to get to, and now I kind of want to more. There are parts of it that are good, but I just, I like, I, I know some people disagree. Can you imagine me. fucking how much child support? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> oh, we got to well, go. That's not a good too, topic. It's yep. too late I, now. I would like to get like started. Good point, I guess. Backlog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, I'm not a dad. I don't know how it works. <clears throat> okay. Uh, I'm a married one. I don't either. Dylan, <laughs> but before we before we move to what we're going to talk about, I need to ask you how many episodes you saw. Five. Five. Okay. So okay. All right. So Justin, uh, in that case, go ahead and tell us about Severance. <laughs> okay. Um, this is going to be short because we didn't finish all of it. Um, and we are halfway through, but I, I really enjoy the show. This is called Severance. It's on Apple TV+. Plus. It stars Adam Scott. Uh, it is a show about people who have undergone a procedure to make it so that they don't remember when they're at work, and when they're at work, they don't remember what they do at home, and they call it being severed. So when you go to work, you're like, oh, I'm at work, and then... When you go home, you have no idea that you were there. And hmm. there's a principle to it of, like, are you technically keeping yourself prisoner at some point? Or, like, like how do you technically exist in two different places, sort of at, like, the same time as, like, com two completely different people? But it's very, very good. I think it's very well made. Um, it's directed by Ben Stiller. Um, yeah, I just saw that. He directed six of the nine episodes. That's crazy. Yeah, it's it's very good. I, I highly recommend it. Um, it is a very, very slow start, but friends of ours finished it, and they said the last episode was one of those, like, every two minutes there was something crazy going on. But it, it definitely is a little bit slower, but um, halfway through, four episodes in, I would say, def I, I, I my wife and I are hooked, so... You can talk about your, um, you know, like, dumb teens in the 80s show. Yeah. What the fuck? You're the one that doesn't like it. That's right. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Like season um, <clears throat> okay. So well, good news for you. <laughs> uh, real quick, before we get into this, um, I want to uh, look something up real quick. I probably should have looked it up when you were speaking just now. but Let's vamp. Um, so, okay. Who had a good day today? Dylan, you and I watched Stranger Things. <laughs> we did. Season four. I am five of the seven in tonight. We're probably going to finish six and seven. Yeah. So, um, earlier this year, like maybe two, three, four weeks ago, somewhere in that time range, um, there were a bunch of people talking about how shitty it was that Netflix had spent $30 million per episode on this season. Yep. Um, Justin being one of them. Um, so Justin, uh, did you see the uh, the 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 news about Stranger Things season four being the biggest thing that Netflix has ever put out? Biggest ever? in terms of like viewership. Yeah, over two hundred eighty-six million hours viewed worldwide over the weekend. That could just be one guy. <laughs> I'm just saying, uh, 
all that talk about how it was stupid for them to have spent $30 million on this thing, no. Not accurate. I think the number is 300 No, I think it was $30 million per episode. I'm going to do some fact-checking. Uh, well, regardless, I'm pretty sure that's what the case was, and you were wrong, so... <laughs> Damn. That's why he wanted you on this podcast. <laughs> he just wanted to shit on you. That's the only reason why you're here. Uh, Sorry, somebody, that's just it. Can't, somebody just came into my house and just slapped me in the face. <laughs> <laughs> Go fuck yourself. Stranger Things is great. Uh, let's Maybe see. Maybe I'll give it a shot. So. God damn it. What'd you say? I said I won't. Dude. <laughs> Alright, so obviously you haven't seen the the last two episodes of part one right and we right. as a collective like society or whatever haven't seen the final two episodes of this season but uh what are your thoughts because i have a lot yeah i mean i'm trying to f- gather my words just because i was caught off guard by just how good the season actually turned out to be mm-hmm. um I did not dislike like have I did not strongly dislike season two and season three. I just truly believe that season one is superior. I mean, it's just, it's in, an incredible uh, season. But then season four comes around. And it's like, man, this is this is right there. This is this is on the cusp of season one greatness. I've not finished the other two episodes, like I said, but god damn, dude! Like, <clears throat> I keep. I just keep getting like latched on to every single scene that comes on. It's like the budget that went into these episodes. God, you can just like every bit of the story so far has been great. And I don't want to say too much, right? Because I feel like, especially with Justin and Austin, not even seeing it and perhaps going to delve into it. I don't want to spoil too much, but it's been a wild ride, man. Um, I love a lot of the, like, I'm not one to notice camera work and shit, but I've been noticing a lot of it in this and it, it just gets me, it gets me in the zone. Like it gets me like super focused. And I I love a lot of like the direction that I'm seeing. Um, I love all of the story that's happening at one time. Like Mm -hmm. we're used to seeing all these branching aspects like happening over Hawkins, but now it's, it's more of a worldwide thing and there's a lot going on at different points of time, but it's all coalescing to make this story happen. And it's fucking great, dude. Um, I love the horror aspect of it. I feel like I feel on edge again. I, I'm not necessarily saying I didn't in two and three, but it's, it's like season one, I was really unsure of what was about to happen. And, and, and this season I'm back there again and I'm back in the uncomfy seat. And I like a lot of the, not a lot of, but like a singular guest appearance, like seeing Robert England in this out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Like I did not know that was going to happen. And then I got to ask real quick in season five, cause I saw it. Did you see the name of the piano in the house? Uh, no, I may have missed that dude. It, the, the name on the piano was Kruger. Oh really? Yeah. I, I had to go back and pause it. And Sabrina's like, does that say Kruger? Cause I explained who Robert England was. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, that's such a cool, like, tie-in right there. Um, I, I love the villain in this season. Like, I love that he is kind of reminiscent of Freddy. 
um in a way you know what i mean it's uh mm -hmm. it's been a wild ride dude uh you like it, right? Like, I'm hoping you don't hate this season. No, no, I, I don't hate this season. Um, okay. Uh, I, okay. So, a lot of people talk about season two of the show like it is more Stranger Things, but bigger and better. And I 100% disagree with that. I felt like they tried to do that and failed miserably. Um, and I feel like this is the logical conclusion of like when people say, I want the same thing, but bigger and better. This yeah. is kind of what I'm thinking. Um, I don't necessarily think it's for the better though, because I, okay. F let me, let me get all the good things out of the way first. Okay. I think that the first season is lightning in a bottle you can't capture again. So when you're trying to do something that kind of like adds on to that, you have to build it out in a way that not only is logical and makes sense, but also is like just kind of fun to, to watch. And that's where I thought season three kind of hit like a nice little like median. Like it wasn't season one, but it wasn't as bad as I thought season two was. This is a tick up between one and three for me. It is very entertaining. I love a lot of the stuff that's going on in here. I like all of the allusions to a nightmare on Elm street are like front and center. They're, the first episode, like the very first episode of the season, I was seeing shots and like certain things that I was like, okay, this is from Evil Dead. Okay, this is from Hellraiser. Okay, this is from, you know, whatever else, right? Like, I was just picking things out and like, I was like in it. I was so in it. Season or episode two comes around and I'm still kind of there, but there were things in there in, in the episode two that really kind of, I don't want to say bothered me, but like I could start to see the redundancy that I'm going to talk about in just a second happen. But then it kind of picked back up with other stuff going on. And then episode three was the same thing where it was like, Oh yeah, dude, I'm fucking in it. I like, I see all these things. I'm really into this sort of like what they're, what they've got going on here. And then it was like the next episode, same exact thing. Like, Oh yeah. But there were like these little things that were kind of, uh, I mean, for, for lack of a better term, they were just kind of like things that I was, they were annoying me. So one of the things that they talked about, uh, in like press releases before the season came out or they were saying stuff about like they tried like they knew that they wanted these characters to have their interlacing stories but they wanted them to all be separate journeys and stuff like that and that in order to tell those with like a, a the respect that they deserved that they were going to have to do something kind of like Game of Thrones 
would do, where, like, they would focus on one gigantic chunk of a storyline in one episode with, like, little bits of the other stuff going on, and then the next episode would be a a different chunk of the storyline and blah, 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 blah. I think that... I really genuinely think that's part of the reason that Game of Thrones did work as well as it did. Because it did tell you self-contained stories each episode while also giving like context to the world around. You never would like leave an episode of Game of Thrones being like, huh, well, I wonder what happened to this person on the other side of the world. Because you would get enough of like what was going on in their story to satiate you till the next episode, even though that episode didn't necessarily focus on that character. Like, does what I'm saying make sense? Yeah, Mm -hmm. I'm following. Okay. So, in this, I... Dude, fucking episode one, I think, is maybe the best episode of the season. Uh, It just managed to really get the hooks in. Like, really fucking get me in, and I was invested in everything that was going on. It's once the thing starts splitting up, I kind of start having problems with. Because I really, really do not think that some of these storylines are fucking necessary at all. Uh, spoiler alert for the end of Season 3, and and I mean, I, I don't know how you couldn't have seen it by now because of trailers and shit but like Hopper didn't die at the end of season 3 and to me I I was already annoyed when they had that little like stinger at the end of the credits of uh, season 3 where they were like the Russians were talking about like get the American I was like please don't fucking do this please do not have Hopper alive because the way that his story ends in season 3 presumably really kind of hit like a good emotional beat. It did what it was supposed to do. Hopper fucking goes out protecting the people that he loves. Like it was good for his character. It was good for the story. He did not need to be alive. I am so not fucking invested at all in anything that is going on with Hopper this season. Like just straight up. I love David Harper. I think that he is great. I think I said Harper. I meant Harper. I think he's great as as Hopper. But I think he should be gone. Also, I am really not invested in anything that's going on with the Mike and Will storyline. Like, almost at all. I like that there's a little bit of, like, sexual tension, I think, between, like... Or maybe not sexual tension, but, like, there's, like, some longing from... Yeah, coming from Will. Coming from Will. And, like, I think that that's cool. Like, I I like that sort of stuff. But, like, I don't see that going anywhere. And I feel like it could potentially be shoehorned into something that it doesn't need to be. And them together, like the, the stuff that they're doing with, um, uh, what's his, what's his fucking name? Uh, Will's brother. 
Jonathan. Jonathan. Yeah. yeah. The stuff that's going on with their storyline, I am like, it's got the comic relief of of this season, which is uh, Argyle, right? Yep. So like, he's funny. He's been funny in everything I've seen him in. But, yeah, like, he's crushed it this season. But I just I don't like nothing outside of him is working for me on that front. I am way, way invested in all of the stuff going on with Eleven and all of the other characters, like with Robin, Steve, Nancy, like all of those guys. I am really invested in those two separate storylines. I could not give less of a shit about the stuff going on with Hopper and Will. And I think that... When you start adding as many characters as they have added, like their main cast at this point is now one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen. Sixteen principal cast members with an additional one, two, three, four, um, kind of like they're in almost every single episode, but like lesser roles, if that makes sense. Um, so that's what 20 principal cast members. I just, there's a, there's something to be said about the, what they did with season one. Season one was concise. It was well-constructed. All of the characters mattered. You never were like bored by anything, but like, when I was watching the Will and, and Mike stuff, I was bored. And, like, but you give me this the fucking shit with Max, right? Like, Max, in those f- first four to five episodes, I was like, oh, dude, this is good. This is fucking awesome. And then it would cut to stuff with, like, Mike, and I'm like, I don't care. Get me back to fucking Eleven. Get me back to Max. Get me back to fucking Steve. Like, I care about these characters. I don't give a fuck about these other guys off doing whatever the fuck it is that they're doing. Yeah, and the issue is that they spread them out, right? So it's like with with Mike and Will, it's I'm not I don't hate their scenes. Like with Hopper, I agree with you on that regard. I don't think he should be alive right now. But like with Mike and Will, I'm not bored watching them like I get it. Like they have to get back to the group, right? Because they're all the way across the fucking country. And I mean, that's their storyline, right? They have to get back somehow. And I've not finished, you know, six and seven. So who the fuck knows how that turns out or how going into part two, you know, what it's going to look like. But that's the issue is that all of these characters are separated. Whereas when it was at Hawkins, it was like you said, it was concise. Like it was all happening then and there and like even though they were separate at times you know like Joyce and Hopper or the kids in some regard um, they were all in close proximity working on something but now it's like fucking Mike and Will are in Utah and now they got to get all the way back to Indiana (laughs) and it's like that's their story yep I mean I mean like you said there's some there's some tension going on with Will and I like that he's developing like that Mm -hmm. Um, but with Hopper like you said I mean and that's like I hate that Joyce is used like she is. She's been such a key part of, you know, the first season for sure, you know, the second one as well. But it's like, 
it's not that it's she's not comic relief. What's the dude that she's with? I forget his name. Uh, Murray. Murray. I love both of their characters individually. Mm-hmm. Like they, some of their scenes genuinely crack me yes. up. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, but all of that wouldn't have to be happening if they would have just committed on Hopper being dead. Yeah, agreed. And they could, and at least it would be stateside. And you know now. Joyce and uh, I about said Stu. Why did I almost say Stu? <laughs> Joyce and uh, Murray are you know dashing with Jonathan and Mike and Will, and they're trying to get back to Indiana. Whatever you can do something with that, but for for people like saying that they're trying to, or what did you say about Game of Thrones? Like they were trying to like focus kind of, on how they do their storyline or something. Yeah, like like in the way that like it's the scale and the runtime and the like the shifting between characters and stuff like that. And while I understand that it's like what they really should have taken as well is when someone's dead, they're dead. And it's like Hopper's yeah. storyline feels redundant. Like I, I feel like that has been a waste of time so far. So I, and fucking Jack and Hagar from the game of Thrones is in this. Now that we're talking about it, I don't know his name, but whoever the, corrupt prison guard is that, yeah that's yeah from uh dude not from yuri what what's his name uh, i don't know yeah it, it doesn't even enzo that's it yep yeah um but anyway just a side tangent like that's i get what you're saying it just feels like all of these stories are happening and it's like some of them one really doesn't matter and then we're just essentially watching fucking chicken run across the states right now just to get back to the the happenings in indiana <laughs> yeah yeah so like I feel like I just shit on it. What I what I really want to like get across is that like I love this show, and I really want it to be as special as that first season was. That's why I'm hard on it. I, it's not that I am like I'm hating on the show unnecessarily. I think that it's when you love when you love this stuff. I think it is important to be critical of it because uh, like. I don't know. Otherwise, I feel like you're just you will you'll get spoon fed the same shit over and over again. And I don't want that. I want Stranger Things to be something that is. I, I mean, I mean, like I like I said when I called out Justin for being wrong, like it, it it's the biggest fucking thing that Netflix has right now. It like that three day weekend or four day weekend or whatever. It was viewed almost 300 million hours that's fucking crazy so it's already at the point where it's kind of like a phenomenon or whatever but like the thing about like that sort of thing so you look at like say a nightmare on elm street nightmare on elm street which this this season is very much like paying homage to was gigantic in 1984 right it took it a little bit of time but it was gigantic and it was gigantic because it was good but when you started to get into, well, actually, hang on. Let me take that back. Let me not do Nightmare on Elm Street because I actually kind of think all those movies are pretty solid. Uh, Friday the 13th, right? Friday the 13th started off with something that everyone like thought was was great. And then it kept going and kept going and kept going and kept going. And it got to a point where there was so much saturation in it and it had become a fucking parody of itself that's when people started to lose interest and I don't want that to happen with this I want this to hit 
hit the ground running. I want it to fucking clear the hurdle, and I want it to hit the, the finish line. And I want it to do it in style. I want it to be good. I don't know. So I, I have a question, though, because I think this is a serious question. I'm not going to be a dick. Um, do you think it's like a addition by subtraction? Because I think one of the things you said, Josh, was like there's 20 main like there are 20 characters in this there's there there's so much to follow do you think if they spent less time with the pairings or the groupings of each characters or just cut people out of the show do you think it would be like do you think it would be performing at its best at its peak well that's that's one of the things that i have worries about for sure i i think that one of the things that this show is lacking for me personally right now is a sense of stakes because something they said or they say in the season relatively early on, they're talking about the bad guy of this season and they put it in relation to the mind flare from seasons two and three. And they say something about this one's bad guy being like the five star general of the mind flayer. And my first thought was like, well, that kind of sucks because I would have liked this guy to been, to have been the mastermind because they've already fucked up the mind flayer twice. They've already got out of season, uh, two and three having def- quote unquote defeated the mind flayer. So why is he still the big bad? So, so there's that, but then all of these characters we know that season five is coming and we know that at, at the very least, some of these people will still be making it to season five. And I'm not saying that you should, you shouldn't fucking just kill off characters unnecessarily. Like, I think that some people get the wrong lesson from game of Thrones where like, Oh, anybody can die. So kill off your characters or whatever. Like, that's not the point. Like, Game of Thrones, the reason that that stuff worked is because it worked within a logical conclusion or, like, a logical framework. And none of those characters until, like, the end had plot armor. If they were going to die, they were going to fucking die. Like, there was nothing stopping that from happening. And, like, there were scenes in this where I got very close to, like, on the edge of my seat thinking, like, oh, my God, this is going to happen. This is actually going to fucking happen. And then it didn't. And I was a little bit let down, like not because I wanted to see these people die, but because I was like, well, shit, the stakes will be fucking raised. Like if if you're killing off main characters, you're I don't want to say you're doing something right. That's not what I'm saying. But like you're you're telling me that these people are expendable and that rate like any little interaction with any of these ca- like villains immediately puts me on edge because I'm like, Oh, could, could they go in this episode? You know what I mean? Like it's a, it's a tension building thing. And it's not the, it's like the way I think of it is it's not the same tone as like an Indiana Jones where it's like, you're expecting him to get out of the situation that he's in. But instead for this cast of characters, like they're all human you know, with, yeah. with the exception of Eleven, she's kind of, like, supernatural, but, like, they are all human. So, like, anything could realistically take them out. So, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. I Yeah. 
I still love it. I, I still think it's great. Um, we'll see what July brings us. I yeah. so I have one question because I checked out. I real by the way, I think season one is fantastic. It's I great. loved that show, and I do think you're right. There was lightning in a bottle, and season two for me was a very very big letdown. The the part where I checked out was when it like wanted to become X Men. Yeah, if, you know what I mean. Like yeah. that to me was where I was like, oh, huh. Like we're everyone's all gonna have their special set of powers and they're numbered. Like, if I wanted to watch that show, I would have watched the Umbrella Academy. You know, like that's that's kind of the way I felt about that. Does it does it sway from that at all? Like, is it yeah? Still checking season three. Season three really brought it back into a more. um, I don't want to say family focused because that's not right, but like it brought it into brought the human drama back and it wasn't like oh there are a million people with a million different powers it was like no these are humans in this really fucked up situation and 11 is a super weapon that that's yeah. where they brought it back to in season 3 and that like 4 has gone from that as like a like a logical conclusion to how 3 ends and then 11 becomes Sherlock Holmes's sister exactly right? Yeah, uh, a daughter or something. <laughs> uh, well, that's enough Stranger Things talk. Let's. I feel like that was therapy for you. Yeah, <laughs> let's uh, let's move to the main topic. Um, we talk an awful lot about video games on the show. We also talk a lot about anime. We were recently talking about topics that we wanted to see come up on the show, and one immediately jumped out to us: anime video games. The question, though, is how do we talk about them? What about them? Then, as we are, you know, want to do, we took a simple topic, put a little spin on it, and then complicated it even more. So, what, pray tell, is the topic of this episode? Well, we're going to be coming back to another creation topic, and we're going to be outlining our idea for a video game based on anime properties. So, without further ado... Let's get right into it. Uh, I want to let Austin go first because Austin oh is uh, Mr. Anime. Okay. I can go first if you want. Uh, do you not want to go first? <laughs> I mean, no. that was a given, right? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I just I, I thought that I Austin like it because I just imagine him like like touching his two like index fingers together. <laughs> and he's like, well, I mean, if if you want, I can do it. Right. <laughs> go fuck yourself. Or, it was cute. Uh, Dylan, why don't you go first? This was your topic. He he's gonna like pull back a curtain now and he's gonna be like, This is my fucking idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let, let, let's uh let's let Dylan go. Okay. Okay. God <laughs> Austin's like, no, I'm still working on my idea, give me time. No, I'm done. I just <laughs> okay. want you to go first. Uh so my idea um is Death Note, a telltale game. It Ooh. is yeah, I'm. I'm. I, I thought a lot about this one. So it's the classic Telltale experience. It's an episodic adventure in the realm of Death Note, but not the series like with L and Light that we already know. In my story, we take control of like an older veteran detective, um, and this person's recently been investigating like a group of grisly murders, and the case begins to prove more and more challenging 
for our detective, and the killer leaves no trace, right? No trace of themselves at the crime scenes, only clues to the next set of victims. And if you're the killer and you're using this power, you believe yourself to be untouchable, so they're leaving clues to who they really are as well. It's the perfect crime. So how is our killer doing like this incredibly meticulous and vicious set of murders and that enters the death note in the hands of like this really sadistic and unrelenting killer the shinigami who accompanies this death note is equally fiendish and you know relishes in like the senseless violence they get to witness and take part in and our, our like my idea for this is that it spans across five episodes and during each of these episodes the choices that you make will determine the path of morality and uh, the, the morality of our detective and like all the choices and decisions that you make culminate down into like the final consequences and actions by in game. So when I when I broke it down like how I wanted it to be, it's like I th- I think of like initially I wanted something like an Atlas kind of art style direction. Like when I was playing Persona Five, like I really liked that. But I kind of think I want it to be more of just what Telltale does. Um and specifically more like what we really saw with The Wolf Among Us. It's like they have a way with making things pop and in my head in like the sprawling Japanese metropolis where this specific story is taking place. Like you have it all in like a nighttime setting, but it's under these like neon lights. So you're getting the gritty with the vibrant. I just, I think they can make it come alive. Um, outside of that, it's... Uh, it's like, well, I see when the like the killer leaves no traces. That doesn't mean that the people chosen to die don't have some correlation with one another. So while at the crimes, like these the, these clues that you're looking for have to do with these people, and you're looking through you know belongings to see where the trail of breadcrumbs lead, essentially. And it's like ultimately, I they they lead back to the detective. So in my view, like this killer is the loved one of someone that was an like it unfortunate collateral damage think of it as that um and an old investigation of our protagonist so it's all linked in some way um and it's like gameplay wise it follows this traditional telltale fashion like you can walk around throughout the world and you can interact with people and things to learn more about essentially everything within this world and my thought was to include things from our detective like little different mementos or things like that that tells a little more about their past and and like their cases and where they've been and the trials and tribulations of their entire career to find more out about them um and like all of this is under this soundtrack and this is (laughs) this is where it gets a little weird so i'm leaning towards like a mix right so when it comes to playing as our detective it's it's calm and atmospheric it's it's like a it's like a genuine like soothing level-headed melody playing and that's why we're navigating through the world as this detective but as we step into these you know like i said they're grisly crime scenes they're they're gnarly because this kill like this isn't in my head an m-rated game this is showing some gruesome shit because someone's taken this death note and they're experimenting in the worst ways with it right so when we step into these crime scenes i really don't want music for this i want it to be a chilling silence and the things that we're hearing are around you in these areas and overall it's like this just deafening sound of death like that's what i want 
for like the darker parts of this game and it's and again this is where the sandwich kind of happens and it's super weird because i would like to show glimpses into the killer's life throughout this game and this is met with something different and this is going to sound weird but imagine like almost like a vaporwave type music right which is weird when you think about how grisly these crimes have been. So you're seeing from the eyes of this killer, but really it's to show how the killer feels. They're almost jubilous with this game of cat and mouse, and they're cool and collected at the thought of never being caught. Because how many clues are left behind, right? I mean, after all, like, how can you trace a killer with no physical evidence left behind? So that was kind of it. That idea itself spawned the question of what we would create as video games, because I was thinking about this one day, and I was like, this is really cool. And that's what I would like to play. I think it would be cool if, like, when they cut to the killer, it's, like, the killer looking at, like, a laptop, like, reading about the murder or something in a newspaper. But it's all first person. And, like, you just control the movement of, like, the head, right? Yeah. That would be fucking awesome. So, again, see? We just made a game. That would be really cool. Just nailed it. I would play the shit out of that. Yeah, Josh is gonna I, remember that. I'm right there with <laughs> you. Um, okay, well, uh, who wants to go next? Austin, I'll go next. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm ready. I'm so ready. Right we now. we thought he learned something about anxiety over the weekend, but turns out someone needs to go first. Still, <laughs> honestly, um, so. <clears throat> While I do love anime, uh, I am not the biggest fan of shonen anime. They don't really do a whole lot for me. I think they're very tropey and all kind of the same fucking thing. Wrong. Um, no, uh, no, I'm, I'm not. Wrong. But I'm not. <laughs> can you, can you not interrupt me, please? Hey, Thank that's you. what I do. <laughs> um, but. Within the last couple of years, there has been uh, a, a good handful of shonen that have really stood out to me, and one of them is My Hero Academia. Uh, there are a couple of My Hero Academia games that have been made, but they mostly consist of uh, Naruto Ninja Storm clone fighting games, and they're not very good. Uh, well, the first one wasn't very good. The second one's actually <coughs> um, But... And I was thinking about it, and I was like, man, what kind of game would be really cool for this, like, setting and story? And then I thought of something along the lines of DC Universe Online. And I was like, holy shit, a My Hero MMO. I would pay a ridiculous amount of money into that. I would play the living shit out of that. Um, so that was kind of my idea. You would start by creating your character. You would have a uh, ex eventually expandable list of uh, quirks to choose from. Um, and I think, like, I think one of the reasons why my hero would work so well with that is because not every quirk is something cool, like, like shooting ice uh, out of your fingertips or like super strength or super speed. There are also really there are also quirks that like sound really dumb but can actually be kind of useful. Um, like, there's a there's a character in My Hero uh, named Saro, who uh, the author, or the creator, said he uh, isn't very much inspired by Spider-Man. But instead of shooting webs out of his wrist, he shoots tape out of his elbows. But he, other than that, he functions the exact same. And, like, I, like, I think that that would be kind of cool. Um, you know, maybe at the start of the game, don't give people these, like, 
really cool, like, overpowered quirks, but give them some of the kind of goofier ones and, and let them figure out how to use it. Um, I, I imagined it as kind of a big MMO that, uh, similarly to DC Universe, would allow you to choose uh, what side of the story you want to be a part of. Because um, I think that that's something that My Hero does a really great job at. A lot of the villains in My Hero are not, like, they're not just your standard, like, psychotic, oh, I just want to fucking kill everybody. Like, these are genuinely just misunderstood people who are products of their environment. Um, and I think that there could be some really cool stories that could play off of that. Um, I, uh, uh, it's, I... <sighs> I also kind of imagined it very similar to, uh, I don't know if any of you guys have ever played Dragon Ball Xenoverse, um, but, you know, maybe in the open world give you the ability to talk and interact to establish characters and, and take mentorship under them, learn their, you know, kind of their attack patterns and special moves and, and kind of follow off of that and, and build your uh, library of combat abilities by mentoring under all these different characters. Um, I... Like, I, you know, you'd love it to have the full My Hero story, but My Hero isn't concluded. It's in its final arc in the manga, and the anime has years to fucking go before they catch up. Um, but there is one particular arc in the manga that I feel like would be a really good ending point for an overall story, um, and that is essentially a giant war between all of the villains in Japan and all of the pro heroes trying to fight them off uh, from literally demolishing the entire fucking country and and trying to take over the world um i think that there would be a lot of uh and i don't i it's hard it's kind of hard for me to believe that some kind of uh my hero rpg hasn't really been thought of yet because like there's so there there's so much you could do as far as like character creation and making your experience unique from from other players um, and I think it could be really cool. And that's kind of all. I didn't really think too much more about this. <clears throat> Shit. Yeah. Uh, that could totally work. I, I could definitely see that working. I don't... I know nothing about My Hero. Uh, have you ever seen Sky High? No. Okay. Well, it's basically an anime adaption of Sky High. What the hell is Sky High? Now I have to look that up. It's like it's a superhero a, high school. Yeah, it's a Disney movie X -Men? from the early 2000s. Oh, I, it is. Yeah. I think it's Disney, right? Is this like one of those things like Brink when I was growing up? But it's <laughs> maybe I don't know what that is. Oh shit! I typed it. It's before your time then. Yeah, Let's probably. See. Yeah, what year were you born? Like ninety nine or some shit? Ninety seven. Ninety seven. Okay, so you, you would have been that. two when Brink came out. I'm ten years <laughs> older than you. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of people in in our community are much older than me. Yeah, I think you're the youngest, dude, except for Sabrina. I Yeah, probably, except for Sabrina and Madison. Yeah. Holy shit, am I the youngest one here? Yeah, you are. Damn. That's, that's why you were doing like the little uwu thing with your fingers earlier when you were saying not to go first. <laughs> 100%. Yeah. I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Well, speaking of being scared... Did you make a horror game? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's I, Josh. I did not. But oh. Justin did. Oh, okay. I did. Oh, okay. Saving the best for last, I get it. <laughs> I have actually I came prepared with two. That's how good I am. But I, I think this Ooh. I think this would be 
a really good take um, for a developer who's really been in the news recently. I don't know if you heard of these guys. Uh, I think it's From Soft. It's German. From Soft. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I think you're Elden right. right? Elden, yeah. Tani made this yeah. game. All the way from Transylvania. Are you. Jeez. <laughs> Um, from Soft, I would want to see their take on Vampire Hunter D. Now, if you don't know what Vampire Hunter D is, Google it because those two movies are. Fucking I had awesome. to Google it. Oh, they're so I was like, good. "How does Justin know what an anime is?" And then I looked it up, and I was like, "This is about up his alley." Yeah, I could see that because it's ten years ago, rules. I was, yeah, that's super good. Um, so similar to how like Bloodborne or Dark Souls is that same design. I think D would probably make like one of the best protagonists in a game like this. Have it have that like punishing, very from soft like learning curve when it comes to gameplay. Like that rewarding yet very punishing gameplay. Um, the setting, I mean, D's setting is that like Victorian esque, almost like sort of medieval, um, almost like old worldish. Victorian style, keep that aesthetic going. And I think they've already kind of nailed that world with Bloodborne already, but keep that aesthetic. I think the art direction would need that anime flair to it, but what I think FromSoft could bring to this and maybe sharpen it up is almost make it look like, not, not color-wise, but make it look almost like that Genshin Impact style. And have the colors be like super sharp, but also super dark at the same the same time, to give it that kind of like creepier, darker vibe to it. I think that would make it look really, really cool. Um, the one thing I think that would stink about this, though, like, and FromSoft, usually, I mean, for the most part, they let you create your character, but this would be a standard character, right? It's D. Like, you have that big sword, you have the the hand that like basically swallows evil or whatever it is but there wouldn't be really a character creator right you're just following around this one dude the one thing where i think they would shine is the fact that their enemy design is so unique and grotesque like everything would have that like uncanny disgusting look to it um and if you watch the movies or if you you know you've seen like the anime it's the villains in that show are just naturally grotesque like the monsters just look so gross it's fucking awesome um (laughs) gameplay wise though i think this is where i think it gets tough because from soft like if you think about bloodborne you have that gun right that projectile is your is your defense mechanism and dark souls naturally you have a shield so how would you balance out that gameplay, right? You can't just make D like this super fast or super quick quick guy. You have to balance it out somehow. So I think that's where his hand comes into play. And if you ever watch Vampire Hunter D, his hand has a face in the palm. And it talks to him. It's sort of like his mentor. It's sort of like comic relief in the movies. Um, where D is like this super, super serious character. But the hand is like... sort of cracking jokes or whatever, but the hand can, it has this like magical tinge to it where it can like basically devour evil or it can devour certain things around it. So make that 
a means of like stunning enemies or make that like something that could be used for traversal so like he can suck out curses he can like stun demons or stun enemies use that as like his defense mechanism in this in this idea and then from there you could even add in like status buffs debuffs kind of kind of things like that um i think the, the the hard balance with this though is like in the movies d is like super nimble and quick so how do you really balance out that like faster combat with the typical from soft games where everything's more calculated like every move is a decision it may seem fast but every move really is a decision i think the only other studio that'd be able to to handle something like this is platinum but they already mm-hmm. make so many they've made so many anime games they made that transformers game which basically looked like an anime right but yeah what platinum the would be was the name uh the devastation one. yeah that game was fun they it also was. did turtles one too but um yeah i think i think FromSoft would be the right choice for this story wise though i think that the one thing that this would have to be is sort of that monster of the week type game where it's just bounty hunting different beasts there could be a a totally open world or you could sort of segment the world into different levels where you're gated at certain points and you can make that fast travel aspect or like being able to um, open up new clear new pathways. But I really do think this would serve best as like basically just bounty hunting boss after boss after boss until you reach sort of the final boss, whoever, you know, whatever the, the enemy is that's creating all of these other um, bosses for D to take on. But I, I, I think if we were to have another FromSoft game and it, if they had to take a license or look at a license from anime, I would definitely want to see them work with Vampire Hunter D. Dude, when you told me about this, it kind of blew my mind because I'd never thought about, like putting those two together but 100% makes sense mm-hmm. it's the blood it's the bloodborne yeah you do <laughs> it's been a long time I need to go back and recheck that shit out the first one's really good but bloodlust which I had to check came out in two. I think it was 2000 somewhere around uh, there yeah I think I think you're right that movie's so good <laughs> holy shit I've seen this oh yeah Oh, great. That's good. Thanks, Dylan. I don't. I didn't remember anything about the dude, but I remember his fucking outfit. <laughs> but I'll play from soft anything. Yeah, I do. That's the weird part. He he's very and like he's sort of like um he's got like a Van Helsing. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. To he's him. fucking Van Helsing. But no, from soft anything is good. So more of that. I know, yeah. like Grey's Anatomy but made by FromSoft would still be good. <laughs> right. Or something like Castlevania. Oh. Let's do that. Dude, make your own Castlevania. Jesus, man. What'd you say? I... What'd you say about Melania? What? Who said Melania? Did you say something about Melania? No, I said no. make your own Belmont. Yeah. No, I think you said Castlevania, but I heard Melania. Yeah. Which is just right coming from you. That's your waifu. That is your waifu. That is your... Okay. 
Wait, are you talking to me? I was talking to you. It's okay. It, I should have specified. Yeah, I didn't. there were there were. Like I heard four you say people. Castlevania. <laughs> I went, dude. Whenever you're speaking, I focus on you, big boy. Oh, thank you. Oh wow. You're welcome. Oh, you just don't <laughs> go into the clouds like everybody else. No, no. I make sure that if I get paid one day, I make sure that he knows I listen. First off, <laughs> the real the real answer to that is if I get paid one day. All right. Uh, well. Which I'm not. Hopefully, I've been paid a long time before that. If you start getting paid, I'm going to be upset if you get paid before I do. I don't have any money, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You got to. Yep. Can I sneak in my second one? Boy, you're going to have to make that shit quick if you want to. It's going to be quick. Ghost in the Shell made by Ubisoft. It basically would be Assassin's Creed, but with the major. You'd be traversing all over the place. You could jump over stuff. It'd be so cool basically just go mission based into these things find your suspects call him back up from section 9 it'd be so fucking cool I don't know why they don't do that that would be really I read your thing and the first thing that I thought of was Ghost in the Shell made by Moon Studios on like a 2.5D side scrolling game (laughs) oh yeah I would like that I don't even like Ghost in the Shell Ghost in the Shell's good okay I know all right. Yeah, that means it's your turn, Josh. God damn it. Yeah, this, Apparently, I've said something. You so said just go the, ahead. this you one. Said the I am thing. excited for Josh's. <clears throat> I am very excited for this. Okay. As we all know, I actually think that I may have brought this up on the show before. Um, but as we all know, obviously, Cowboy Bebop is my favorite anime of all time. <clears throat> and my idea for a Cowboy Bebop game is to turn it into something similar to a looter shooter like Destiny. Uh, But I want to go a little bit further than just making it a Destiny clone with like a Cowboy Bebop skin. I want to add in a sort of Mass Effect style choose-your-own-adventure type thing where your story is directly affected by... Maybe Mass Effect is a is a bad point of comparison because at the end of Mass Effect, you end up just not having any choices, actually, except for the color that you want your lasers to be. Um, but, you know. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so my, my basic concept with it for this was that it would be mostly a gameplay that follows the Destiny style with mixtures, uh, with mission structures. So you'll create your bounty hunter and you'll have a crew of characters that are, uh, I don't want to say auto populated because that's, you'll have like a sort of mass effect. You build your own character. Here are these like, I don't know, like 15 or 20 different versions of the character that you can make and you can mix and match stuff. So like your backstory takes place on like you were born on Mars, but then you traveled to Jupiter with your family when you were, you know, whatever, whatever the case may be. Right. So you'll have like this plethora of backgrounds to choose from to, to base your character on. And then you would have your crew members come in and they would be kind of like based on what your decisions were. So then the narrative would work the 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 thing that I, I, I think I take away from games like Mass Effect is I, I feel like the um the more 
open nature of the narratives doesn't lend itself as well to storytelling as something that is closed off like a Naughty Dog game. So I want the story part of this to be something that is, again, it'll be based off your decisions. You kind of pick where you want it to go, but I want it to be something that is focused and something that is scripted and is like nailed down, right? So think think Mass Effect for that. Think the the gameplay of Destiny. So basically you would have these bounties that you would follow and these would play out similar to strikes. Um, whenever you complete a strike, you turn in a bounty, you get Wulongs. You can use these to buy upgrades for your weapons, for your ship, you know, stuff like that. You also would get XP from this in a, in a manner that's really kind of similar. My thought process was like Skyrim. So the more you use a skill, the more that skill gets better. So like if you want to be a long-range person, you will use more long-range weapons. And the more you do that, the more proficient you become. And I feel like that's a better way of doing an RPG than having, like... Uh, I want to do this, so I'm going to level generically and then just point, put points into this. Like, it doesn't, like, feel like an RPG. It feels like you're playing, a, like, an Excel sheet. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, that that was my thought press for thought process or how the, um, the XP would work. But then the missions themselves, the bounties, would be very open and would allow you to do something like where you kind of figure out how you want to take on this bounty your way. Something that will allow for player agency. Think, you know, Dishonored, Deus Ex, or... Uh, a, a touchstone for you know now would be Deathloop, right? Basically, basically the stuff that um, Arcane does, <laughs> really. Um, but you take any approach you want to getting that bounty. So, where the comparison with where, where that's the comparison for Destiny, the the stuff that comes in for Mass Effect is. The story with the game will be very tied into um, like its own thing, where like you know how Destiny has like you have strikes and you have um, like story missions or whatever, and like even with the strikes when you're going through and you're playing them, they have the story parts in there, like they have the cutscenes. I didn't want to do something like that. I want the the bounties themselves to be their own thing. And the story to be its own thing, even though it's still, you know, within the single player part of this thing. So the main thrust of the gameplay would be you doing these bounty hunts, you know, where you you have to go along and you have to, you know, fix up your your ship to get from point A to point B or whatever. And it would open up the the main story for your characters and your crew the more you do the bounty hunting. So what I was thinking that this would do is it would allow you to kind of put yourself in the shoes of the kind of characters from this world where, like, if you watch a lot of Cowboy Bebop, the main story in Cowboy Bebop, the stuff with Vicious and Julia and Spike, that stuff 
Well, and, and even if you want to, even if you want to put in the stuff with Faye and Jet and Ed, like the anime is twenty three episodes, and their quote unquote personal stories are maybe seven episodes, maybe. And I I think that like having it play out that way would definitely bring you into the the same sort of like headspace as these characters where like you're living day to day or whatever trying to just scrape by but you have this other stuff that is kind of like haunting you sort of thing um and i think that this is where you could you kind of get the feeling where like if you wanted to you could bring in some of the characters of the anime um and it could make it uh, the one big takeaway I feel like I get from, from watching the anime is that a lot of this stuff is all these characters are on their own journeys. So like when you watch heavy metal queen V from that episode, I think that's her name. Um, shit. That's going to make me sound like a fucking idiot. If that's not her name, hang on. I got to look that up. Just I think you're sure. right. I, I think I am right too, but, uh, I just want to. I just want to make sure because they they have to guess. It's an an initial. They try to guess. Yeah. Name. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um. Yes, it is V. Yeah. So um or VT. I'm sorry, VT. But still, I fucking fuck you. Close enough. Um. Anyway, I helped you. So. <laughs> no, I was I was saying to the listeners, not to you, not you. Fuck the listeners because they don't. Anyway, I, mean, I would rather you, you want to keep digging that Justin than lose our uh, user base. It's it's fine. They they know I mean it lovingly. Only the patrons though. <laughs> Only the patrons. Yeah. Anyway, all right. So the the thing that I get from that is like VT is on her own story. Spike is in on his own story, and they meet in an episode, and then they never see each other again. It's very much a sort of like ships passing each other in the night sort of thing a brief interaction that doesn't become like this sprawling narrative with like eighty thousand characters it's not fucking game of thrones it's very intimate storytelling and i think that you could get that in and make you feel like cowboy bebop feels if that makes sense um but like I said before, the, the story for you would be tied directly to you and your crew. Your crew would be co- would come from like what you pick your starting character to be, right? And then the story would be based around that. And you would have multiple branching points where you could take something. I actually kind of drew a little bit of inspiration from uh, Until Dawn here where like little menial actions could potentially spider out and you have, you know, 10, 15, 20 different endings that you, that you could end up on all just based on like little potentially menial decisions. Um, and I feel like that would not only is the, the gameplay with the bounties and stuff like that, giving you player agency, but allowing you to choose the story that you set yourself down on would give you agency. So like, in the instance, like, just to use Spike as an example, Spike doesn't really face his feelings and stuff like that until the very, very end of the se- series. 
And even then he does it with a sort of fatalistic, like, impulse where he's like, well, I'm going to fucking die, so what the fuck does it matter type thing. And what if he chose differently, right? Like, what if he chose to maybe go and fight Vicious earlier? Or what if he, um, I, I, I mean, any any number of things. But, like, that's the kind of touchstone that I want to happen with the player's story where you can set up like if you know that your ultimate conclusion is like you're running from something from your past and you need to confront that thing what if you confront that early how do, how does that make the rest of your story play out you know what i mean something that that was my thought process i know it's very complicated i know that there aren't a, a lot of studios that can do this <laughs> you know but that's that's what I saw in my head. The the cool so, thing about that too is like if you think about that I first off, how does this not have the tagline of whatever happens happens cuz that's literally like what you just described was like this is whatever happens happens kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But the idea of that sort of choice and I know this this would play into like the nemesis system in a way, but exactly, yeah. Like like if you were to lose a bounty and that bounty, like, re- if it's, like, a live service type of game, and that bounty then does come up again, like, you almost have a vendetta to settle, right? Like, mm-hmm. you have to settle this, and there's a bigger reward or a bigger payout or more XP that's associated with it. it almost, to a degree, it gives me that, like, elusive target from Hitman kind of feel to it. Yeah. But mm-hmm. with, like, repetition in it that would make it feel more valuable when you actually succeed and it almost in a way like if you're too good at the game you would never see a lot of that stuff but if you rent if you you know cranked up the difficulty and made it really di- like re- really compelling you would get to those moments where it's like this one guy i he's he's crushed me like three times like this is it i'm doing all the preparation for it i'm i'm stacking up where i need to stack up and i'm gonna crush this dude and that, to me, would be, like, the coolest part of that is, like, the idea of the long game for it combined with the episode-to-episode action and da- even downtime of, like, what Cowboy Bebop is. Like, all mm-hmm. of this sounds so cool to me. Yeah. I uh, See, I... Uh, go ahead. Go, no, go ahead. I was just going to say, I've thought about this for a very long time. <laughs> Is there any Cowboy Bebop game at all? Uh, there are two on the PS2, but they were both only released in Japan. That's crazy, Justin. I know you're off the, uh, you know, the whole Kickstarter wagon, but maybe you should come back and just, you know, fund Josh's idea. Solely. You say fully? There you go. No, yeah, that's like all I, seven million that you'll need to make this yeah, game. No, I think it's going to take a little <laughs> bit more than that, but um, probably. If I could, yeah. if I could code this and stuff myself dude i am telling you i would i would i want to play this game um this this sounds like the lot like the the way i got excited for destiny understanding what like especially during two right when two came mm-hmm. out but like the the level of excitement when i knew what i was getting into had i known that about something like this this would get me so like amped up to play this 
and like write your own story as like a space cowboy. Yeah. Like that to me is just so so cool. Yeah, I I definitely want to play this game. Um the last couple things I want to add, I I thought about this. I thought that you could add a multiplayer uh component to it, make it something similar to uh, I don't know if you guys played Halo 5's, uh, I forget what it was called, but basically it Spartan would be... Spartan Ops. Uh, no, not Spartan Ops. It was, um, uh, fuck, hang on. Halo 5 multiplayer, or hang on. There's an easier way to do this. PvPVE. It was called... The PvPV. Yeah, tell me what it's called. Okay, I don't know what it was called. Anyway, basically the the idea would be that there is a high value target, and um, the bounty would require an extremely high level of competency. Something I was thinking, like the AI from some of the the bosses in FromSoft games. I like I want this to be extremely extremely hard to do. But if you get it, it's extremely rewarding. And I th- and the reason that I wanted to do that is because since you would be playing against other players as well, I don't want it just to be a sort of, if you get to the bounty head first, you automatically win sort of thing. So, like, it should definitely be something that, like... It requ- would require almost like detective work or or something like n- planning in advance, knowing what you're going to do, and this could be rolled in with the single player experience by giving money and XP that you could use in single player. Um, it also, I think, would add DLC opportunities, creating a ton of different bounty characters to take on, giving them their own visual like style, their own stories, you know, stuff like that. Um, and then, as far as like in-game aesthetics, because I've talked a, a lot about like how I would, like what the story would be, how the game would play, stuff like that. For the visual style, I don't think that you could get away from not having it some sort of anime. But I was thinking something that was like maybe almost cell shaded. Um, my touchstone for this was the the game from the Game Bakers that came out uh, two years ago, I think, called Haven. Haven. Um, and uh, I think the art style on that is just gorgeous. Um, yeah, 2020. So uh, I was thinking something like that for the um, for the visual style, and then the game wouldn't work without music that's ripped straight from the series. And I, I think that like, I wouldn't want it to just be a reuse of all the iconic tracks from the show. I, I mean, like I would want something that sounds like it belongs in there. Like something that's like, like Yo- Yoko Kano and, and the seatbelts had, you know, performed it. Like I want something that sounds like it fits in the show. That style of jazz. Exactly. Yeah. So, but yeah, I, that, I like that's the idea, idea. that like, I, I like the idea of like that cell shaded, like even even to a degree. Yeah. Like, I mean, the game bakers like Fury and Haven look incredible. Like, they're striking. Like those games just look so fucking good. But um, even to like a degree, like I feel like the art style of like something like Borderlands, 
but a little more muted would mm-hmm. would go well like not as like the first borderlands yeah like not as bombastic with it but yeah but a little more muted yeah <sighs> anyway that's my game that's that's the game that i came up with guys hell yeah sounds cool austin's like i don't give a fuck it's cowboy bebop <laughs> can't wait to play it yeah so if anybody wants me to pitch them on that uh i'll i'll do it i'm sorry hold, hold on atlas yeah. you <laughs> you want to make this uh all right well that was our topic of the show let's get into what we've been we've been playing austin dylan not the two of you oh my god justin that's your name you have like eighty thousand things on here so why why don't you why don't you tell me a couple uh, about a couple of these okay so i'll start with the stuff that i've already finished um trek to yomi visually impressive very boring gameplay i don't know did you josh did you play trek to yomi Yes, uh, yeah, I'm I'm actively playing it. I started it uh, a little bit f- before we recorded last week's episode, and I'm still there because the game that I'm going to talk about really ripped my attention away. Um, yeah. But the the stuff that you said very visually interesting. I 100% agree. Um, the gameplay I am not the biggest fan of. Um, I don't think that it's bad per se, but it's, I feel like it could be way better fleshed out. There's something critically missing from this game because I was able to to breeze through it and not have to learn more than two combos. And that that, that wiped out like bosses. The last boss I had trouble with, but eventually was able to to get through it um the other one that i finished that i'm actually on my second playthrough of and and i'll keep this short too is this triangle strategy i mean the the second time around i'm I'm loving it even more um the idea of mapping out all of your choices and you can see which ones you've done in certain chapters i think is awesome that way you can see how the decisions play out throughout the rest of the game the one problem I have with this is it, it's still not Final Fantasy Tactics, right? Like, it's just, it's not that same level of a tactics game. It's strong, but I just don't think it's quite as strong as Final Fantasy Tactics. Mm-hmm. Um, the story's really good, though. Like, the story had me in moments where I was like, good lord, what just happened? Like, there were some really, really interesting things that, that went on in this. And, like, from a political, from a political thriller aspect i think it was a really really good really really good story um what i'm currently in right now is ghostwire tokyo and um man is this a clear the map of icons kind of game like go go to the top of this tower open up the map here are your side missions go do that it's just very had i not had I not spent only $30 on this game, had I spent more, I think I would have been more upset with it, but it's on sale right now. Um, it's just like, visually it's awesome. Like it's a great depiction of Tokyo. I think it looks really cool. It's got a lot of really, um, like striking features to it. I think the art, like the aesthetic to it's really 
pleasing. I, I like I like looking at this game. Mm-hmm. Um, my problem is just playing it. <laughs> like it's just the the movement feels sluggish. The combat feels very like just again sluggish is probably the right word. It just feels very bland. Like the, each each power that you get with your combat wheel just feels exactly the same like there's no real reason to switch between things unless you run out of like basically spirit ammo but the way the game looks is just so good like when you finish off an enemy and steal like what what is called their core the animation for that just looks awesome it it Mm -hmm. never like sneak attacks on enemies that never gets old it always feels really good but sadly that's there's so few and far between that you can really execute on that stuff that it make that it makes it feel like something's forgiven the rest of the combat just feels feels pretty weak so i i think this is one of those things i'll i'll finish ghostwire tokyo but i just feel like man what a what a waste of a good concept on really really poor gameplay um the only other thing that i've been doing too is uh not words which is a mobile game that's basically crossword Sudoku. Oh, okay. But what were you going to say, Josh? Uh, I was I was going to ask you if you felt like the um, the director of Ghostwire Tokyo is what caused that sort of damage. Because she left, if I'm not mistaken, she left while the game was in active development, right? Uh, what was her name, too? Uh... You're gonna drive me nuts. I don't remember. Uh, Nakamura. Yep, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ikumi yep. Nakamura. I, I don't know if this is one of those like there was a change in the guard, so to speak, that that led this astray. Like mm-hmm. this just feels like it just feels very bland. Like it just feels very bland. Like the enemy designs are basically all the same. The powers feel very similar. Like, at some point, I think this was just one of those, like, this... I, I think they, they got to, like, the 75% marker, and they just said, just just phone the rest of it in. Because so much of it is is beautiful. Like the, the, one of the things that I think is really cool is, at, at certain points in the game, it'll start raining. And the rain, mm-hmm. you can start to see it as you get closer, and as it falls closer to like the players like the screen like the first person player it is it is japanese symbols like it's characters Mm. so it's like raining letters and words all over the place like that stuff's really cool to me like i think that looks amazing and the way that the districts are all lit up and the music that's playing like the whole world basically vanishes right that's the story but everything is still lit up you can still hear radio like all of that stuff is really awesome and it it presents this like very haunting scenario that at some point doesn't feel as scary at all like it doesn't feel like you're trapped inside tokyo with all of these ghoulish creatures you just sort of feel lost at some point like like i guess i gotta go to this point in the map and that means going down this street and making a right but you know there's no real stake to it there's no real i don't know like fear to it 
mm-hmm. especially from a game that comes from a studio that the, these are the guys that did the evil within right yeah and that from what people have said in the past is like that game's got such a vibe to it whereas this just feels very dull mm-hmm. interesting okay but that's my well, piece we'll uh we'll see when i get around to it um or if Austin, you, uh, no, I'll get around to it. I like Tango, so. Um, Austin didn't play anything, is that right? That's true, I didn't. Okay, all right. Well, in that case, Dylan, you want to talk to me about one of your two games? Yeah, I can, I can shoot them <clears throat> both pretty quickly. Okay. Um, I was just... I don't know how it came up, but I was browsing my phone like on the App Store, and I saw that I could get like a free a free month of Apple Arcade, and I was like, why not? I've never tried it before, so I was gonna go for it because I always want an arcade game or just like sorry a mobile game, mm-hmm. but I could never find one that I like. Um, like I was super big into the Clash games for a while, but like Clash of Clans and stuff. Clash of Clans, but. Even after that, like, more importantly, Clash Royale, I was super into, like, big time. And after I kind of stopped playing it, I went back to it, and so much had changed. I was like, I can't be bothered to relearn this game. But nothing scratched that itch after that. So I've always just been – I would download a game, play it for a day, and I'm like, all right, I'm done, you know. So when I saw that I had Apple Arcade, I was like, fuck it, I'll try it. Um, because I knew there were some games on there that I had wanted to play like on the Switch or on PC, but I just never made time for it. So I was like, if I'm going to be able to play a game on mobile, it's probably one that I already wanted to play, like something that I could stick with and invest time into. And Apple Arcade had a few, of the, or a couple at least to start off. So I was like, fuck it, you know, I'll try it. And four ninety nine a month after that is really not bad. Um, so... The first of which is The Last Campfire. So this is made by Hello Games, which if you don't know who they are, might be weird, but No Man's Sky. <laughs> like, that that's their baby. And then they made this game, which I didn't know until after. This came out in 2020. I didn't even know until this year. Um, it's just this cute little puzzle game. I mean, you can... There's different control schemes for it. Like, you can tap to move to a certain point on the screen, or you can, like, turn on the virtual joystick, which is what I like, and you can explore. It's this, it's this really pretty um, platforming puzzle game, and it's it's super vibrant, and it has this cute little story to it. Kind of somber, I'm not going to lie. I haven't made it too far into it, but it's just something that I can pick up and I can come back to, and it's it's adorable, and I can play it on my lunch and stuff like that, and just... I don't know. It's it's cool because I don't have to spend an hour or two hours playing it. I can pick it up for ten minutes and do some puzzles, you know, and, and talk to some you know quest givers and stuff like that. And it's su- it's super super fun. Um, and also with that, like on the Switch, I had always seen uh, Cozy Grove, and it's essentially it's another Animal Crossing. Um, that's that's about <laughs> as close as it can get. <laughs> it's. You know, leave it to me to find another kind of Stardew, kind of Animal Crossing game, right? Um, but it it always looked great. But when I was reading reviews about it, something that threw me off and it throws me off about Animal Crossing is, like, there's only so much you can do in a day. Um, like, a real-life day, there's only so much you can do. And I was like, god damn it. Like, I don't... 
on the Switch, like if I'm playing a game on the Switch, I want to play it, right? But then I was like, but on mobile, that's that's kind of what I'm doing. I'm only doing a little bit here and there. So it's like, fuck it, let's download it. And God damn it, if that's not the one that I've put the most time into, because it, it's, it's very right. Like I can only do so much during a given day. Um, but, but that's okay because I'm not trying to do too much. And it's like you're this spirit scout and you land on this island and the island is completely like overgrown and nasty and there's this just think of it as a villager think of it as literally tom nook almost um and it's like the main spirit all the spirits are bears for some reason like it's weird like when i say bears i don't mean like the ones that we know i mean like these cubicle like there's a fucking what is it goddamn seagull bear I think it's called or something like that like it is literally a bear with a seagull's beak and it's white with the captain's hat on <laughs> they're really outlandish um, there's like one that it's a bear that thinks it's a tree and the skin on it is literally like just imagine what you would think of like when you think of oak like that's its skin so I don't know why maybe I'll find out I sincerely doubt it doesn't seem like they're concerned about telling me why they're all bears that's fine but it's just cute because you can go around the island and you can help them. And there's, you know, like, like I said, different ones. And you're trying to level up your campsite uh, with like the things called spirit logs that you get from these quest givers, these islanders, the spirits. And your campfire can talk to you. <laughs> like, it's so fucking weird, but like it's giving you direction on what to do and you're leveling up the fire up with logs like you're giving it these spirit logs and you can level up you can upgrade your tent and stuff like that and it's just super cute man it's a like when i compare it to animal crossing it's it's there like it is animal crossing in every sense of the word it's just like more of a a top down really unique it kind of vaguely reminds me of the art style of don't starve but it's 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 more bubbly and friendly um i don't know there's different types of quests you can do different things you can harvest you can fish in it so yeah i do that too god damn um i know it's more fishing dude and i can't even make it up and like even taking from that little aspect the fishing is almost identical to animal crossing like you cast out and you tap it and then the little fish swims around like when you're trying to reel it in and stuff like that it looks the exact same and you can also like fish up recipes and stuff for crafting um it's super adorable i recommend it um that's that's what I've been doing outside of Apex. Like those are that's been my only source of gaming. I've just wanted to play those games. Well, did you know <coughs> that Hello Games' first game actually they're rooted in mobile because they used to make it. They made a game called Joe, Joe Danger. Danger. Yeah, Joe Danger, not to be confused with dirt. No, I forgot about good old Joe Danger. Now they're just doing weird shit in No Man's Sky. Have you seen the most recent shit for that? Space whales. <laughs> oh, boy. Of course they are. Of course. Started with fucking brontosaurus on a planet. Now we got space whales. True stories. But, I mean, isn't isn't that what that <clears throat> game's supposed to be? Like... It was supposed to be. You're right. Yes. Like that's, that's what it's, you know, like all this weird stuff that just arrives one day and you're like wow this is fascinating but it's not as cool as like eve where like people start factions and wars and 
like real money's on the line like that's where it's really cool that was like a paid advertisement i don't like it <laughs> you'd never heard of eve eve online no i know eve online <laughs> it just it's just your ending tagline like that's where the real fun's at i just have that natural pitch man yeah, yeah. kind of do actually you're not wrong yeah <laughs> josh start talking start okay. talking okay. or something I, like, I, I was yeah, waiting for I you to like shut the, the fuck up so let me ask you this that's not is what i do you have to interrupt last me last campfire <laughs> All right. Uh, I played a bunch more Evil Dead the game. Um, Is this good? Yeah. This game's real fucking good. Uh, so I, I I talked about it last week. I really like the – I think I'm really into the 4v1 asymmetrical multiplayer genre. Um, it works for me. Uh, but – where I think this one kind of shines above others is not just in its, like, attention to detail. Like, the, the Friday the 13th game really fucking nailed the aesthetic of, like, Jason. Like, it just, it really, really fucking did. Um, but, like, it kind of also felt, I, I want to say goofy like in in some areas because it didn't it nailed the violence I don't know that it necessarily nailed like the tone the tone yeah because Friday the 13th like there are definitely moments when I was playing that game where I would be like on the edge of my seat, like just straight up, I would be like, Oh, Oh, Oh my God, he's here. But like, there were so many unintentionally goofy things in that game. And it could be broken so easily by people who were like, I don't know, you know, fucking good at the game that it, it kind of would take me out of the experience sometimes. And this never does that. It really fucking nails the tone of evil uh, of the Evil Dead, and I I think it kind of helps that the Evil Dead is like naturally goofy, but like there are scares in this, there are bits of comic relief, there are like unintentional like things that like really make you think, oh, this game is kind of rough around the edges, but it's like, well, yeah, but so were those movies. <laughs> You know what I mean? And it, it really just fucking nails the tone. But, like, from a gameplay perspective, I there are so many things in here that I just did not pick up on when I was first initially playing it that are, like, really, really well thought out. Like... Dead by Daylight kind of rules because, like, there's no way for you to, like, defeat the killer. But, so you, you run around and, and, and uh, you know, do the objectives and stuff like that. Which I think can be fun. But, like, in this, there are ways to combat the, the deadites. To combat the things, the demons that you're facing. And... They all feel very different. Like, all of the characters... I When I was first playing, 
they kind of like I was like, oh, they 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 just functionally do the same thing. But like, no, that's not true at all. Some of them actually like really do better with like shotguns versus handguns or like. I mean, it's it's obvious that like some of them are better at melee than um, than others, but like there there are little differentiations in between that, and then there's stuff that like some of the deadites don't, or, or some of the enemies they don't perform well to like slashing uh, weapons. So like if you go in with an axe, like they will not take as much damage, but you go at them with say like a sledgehammer or something that's going to like, you know, knock or whatever. It's like, Oh, Oh shit. Like that's doing a lot more damage. Like there's nuance between like what uh, a, what your characters are good at and bad against and B what the enemies are good and bad against. And it really is like a, like almost like a puzzle piece of like, building not only your character out but like your team when you're playing on the hero side or when you're playing as the um as the uh like the demon or whatever when you're playing the bad guy like it is you have your own like strengths and weaknesses and you have to make sure that you play up your strengths very well like it is really really layered and I did not get that the first time that I was playing it um it does get a little bit um annoying sometimes when you're playing against good enemies with like teammates that don't know what they're doing uh I mean that's with every multiplayer game though so I don't want to knock it too bad because of that um, and I do wish that they had more of the single player missions because I had a lot of fun once I realized the, like the way that the game was meant to be played. I had a lot of fun playing the missions, um, like the single player missions, but there are so few of them that it kind of like unfortunately drags down the experience a little bit. Um, yeah, I, I'm really kind of enamored with this game. I, I knew that it would be something that I was interested in. I didn't know that it would probably stand toe to toe with dead by daylight for me though. Uh, I thought that this would be a fun little detour that I could play for a couple months, you know, get tired of it and whatever. But like I could 100% see me, playing this game the same way that I've played dead by daylight for years now at this point is Bruce Campbell in the so game? Ha- yes. He, he voices yeah. Ash. Yeah. Um, oh, nice. there I, I'm relatively positive that he voices Ash. And then the two other main characters from Ash versus evil dead voice their, um, their respective characters. So oh, like pa- Pedro and I forget the, the girl's uh, name. Pedro and Kelly. Kelly, yes. So, yeah, it's it's a good time. Yep. I am enjoying it, for sure. I know you said it's cross-plat. Where did you buy it, though? Um, uh, PC, so on the Epic Store. That's... Okay, and it's $39.99? Yep, for the base game. You can right. get the... Uh, you can get, like, the special edition or whatever. or Well, not special edition, but, like... 
the I don't know what the hell you would call it, but the one that comes with like the um like the deluxe. Yeah, the deluxe that comes with like the the season one pass or whatever. You can do that too. So is this like a timed thing for Epic before it goes to Steam or what's up? Uh, that I'm I'm not sure about to be completely honest with you. But it is on PlayStation. Gotcha. I mean I'm. Yeah, it's yeah, and it's crossplat, which is really cool because I mean I can I can do either. I just I just looked for it on Steam and I didn't see it, that it was there, so I was curious as to why. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. Um, I, maybe uh, Epic just was like, "We want to buy this up," you know, keep it <sighs> up Steam, whatever. God damn it! Just big Bruce so, Campbell fans. I don't know why, Justin. Did you actually text Jeff? No. About the earlier about the pillow. Yeah. No. No, and it's not that he texted me about body pillows, but this is just the shit that that Josh and I live with. It was everything was fine, and then at nine fifteen, he just sends me a message that says, "So something just dawned on me." So my body is now conditioned <laughs> to be anxious when he starts to text me shit like that. Uh-huh. So immediately, just anxious, and then he says, "As podcasters, Stevo is our professional contemporary." I was like, "What the fuck does that even mean?" And he was like, "We have a podcast. Stevo has a podcast." We're basically his co-workers. He's, he's got okay. a point. He's, that's all he said. There's nothing else. It's just done. <laughs> that's a good PSA. That's good motivation. Oh. Please don't encourage him. Please don't encourage him. I love him so much, but sometimes I just like, how did we get here? How did we get here? I've known Josh for like 50 years, and I've never... I've these words have never formulated in my head. I don't I don't even know why. It's like what is wrong I'm with going him? on to LinkedIn Continue. now. I'm just flabbergasted. I'm going on to LinkedIn now. I'm linking in with Steve O as a professional <laughs> <laughs> contemporary. Uh all right. Let's get to our picks of the week and get out of here. Uh we're closing in. Oh, we're actually only over the two hour mark. Not too shabby. Hey guys, we we did it. Somehow. Somehow. We did it. All right. Um, but still, let's get out of here. Uh, fucking my pick of the week is uh, I'm actually going to pick Evil Dead the game. I really, I'm really fucking enamored with this game. I really fucking think that it is something that is special. It's a little rough around the edges for sure, but I, if you like multiplayer games at all, uh, I think that this is something that is really fun. And if you like... Um, the Evil Dead or horror games, for that matter. Uh, I think it's at the very least. I think it's worth you know trying out. So, Hell yeah, I want to pick it up. And it's a, and it's only forty bucks. It's not bad. Not even full. full yeah, that's price. what I was shocked. That's why I was asking because I saw it before we started because I signed into the Epic Game Store to download the border uh, the Borderland the Bioshock collection mm-hmm. and then I saw it and I was like, that's really fucking cheap. I thought it was a full sixty dollar game. Yeah. Yeah. So download Let's it. Download it. I'm glad it's do. doing well. I'm glad it's getting like high praise. It looks good. Yeah. Tens of downloads. Tens of downloads. <laughs> All right, Austin, what you got? Uh, yeah. Uh, my pick of the week is an album by Dance Gavin Dance called Tree City Sessions Two. Not sure why there's a two because they didn't do a first one, but whatever. That's right up their alley to do something fucking odd. 
Uh, Tree City Sessions is essentially a uh, collection of some of Dance Gavin Dance's greatest hits, and this album is performed live in a studio with no production whatsoever. It is just raw takes, and it's it's super fucking wonderful. Um, one of my favorite things about this album is, like I said, it is uh, kind of a collective of their greatest hits over the last couple of years, and their current vocalist, who is fantastic, uh, Tillian, he did not come into the band until their fourth album, and so it's really cool he- hearing his distinct uh, 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 vocals uh, do some of these older Dance Gavin Dance songs that he didn't appear on, and it's super, super wonderful. Sick. All right. Uh, Dylan? Uh, much like you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick one of the games that I talked about, Cozy Grove. If you have an Apple device, if you have a Nintendo Switch, and probably some, something else, you can download it on there. It's a lot of fun. If you if you have, like, 30 minutes at a time to play, it's good to pick up. Fantastic. Hell yeah. All right. Uh, Justin, you have 80,000 picks of the week. What 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 you what you doing? Uh, well, I think it's fair that I can pick a few songs since some people pick an entire album. Yeah, that's so. true. You know, just do whatever you want because you're rich. But you know, <laughs> <laughs> he even comes in here and acts like he fucking owns the really? place. Really? Yeah, <laughs> unbelievable. Chain he might one day. Chain me to the desk with this dollar bills, as they say. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'll let the it's I'll let the kinky. laugh track go. Um, <laughs> dick. <laughs> I have three songs on here. They are recent additions to some of my Spotify playlists. So I wanted to just highlight them. The first one is called, a uh, band's called Idle Youth. The song is called First Contact. It's got very much that new wave sounding vibe to it. Almost a little bit like, um, if you remember the band The Bravery, kind of has a little bit okay. of that aspect to it. Um, really good. It's, it definitely reminds me of that kind of like 80s synth wave um, movement that's going on now, but really, really good. Not very well followed at this point. I think they're completely brand new, but really good stuff. The second song is from it's the new Disclosure song. So all those, all the kids out there who listen to Disclosure, who are you know like rocking out and going to their Vegas pool parties. This song's called Waterfall. It's also really good. It's got that dancey vibe to it. Um, and then the last one is called Pool Day by a band called Win Win, W-I-N-N-W-I-N-N. And this is definitely that, like, very chill, very, um, like, it's just the way it's described, very pool day, like, very daytime, chill, relaxing kind of song that you would, you know, have on when you're, uh, when you're hanging outside in a summer day. Those are my picks. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <clears throat> All right. Well. Um, yeah, okay. Uh, as always, you can find us on social media for all things Culture Pop, Hunting Pixels, and the Culture Pop family of content. Culture Pop is available on Twitter at Culture underscore Pop, on Instagram at Culture underscore Pop, and on YouTube at Culture Pop, where, if you are listening to this, a video was just released talking all about stranger things well not all about stranger things but 
uh, at least breaking down one scene. So go check that out for me. Uh, so, you know, I can make more videos and whatnot. Speaking of me, I'm available on Twitter at the Bebop Man 182, on Instagram at Bebop Man 182, and I will eventually at some point be getting back to Twitch. I have to take breaks. Uh, you know, work just kicks my ass and stuff. Um, but I'll be over there at the underscore Bebop Man. Dylan is available on Twitter at OMDizzyTV, on Instagram at OMDizzy, on Twitch at OMDizzy, and on YouTube at OMDizzy. I think you're also taking a break from, from Twitch right now, right? <coughs> yeah, um, just post-surgery, and then Sabrina and I have been playing a lot, so we're just vibing right now. Cool, cool. All right. We have also Mr. Austin, who is on Twitter at Big Papa Plays, on Instagram at Big Papa Plays, uh, uh, I think underscore, right? Yeah. Uh, on Twitch at Big Papa Plays, on, on TikTok at Big Papa Plays. Justin... I know that you have a newsletter that you send out every morning um, called The Paper Trails. That's right. Uh, uh, and it is a wonderful read. Uh, it is a great toilet read in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> I hate to I hate to put it like that. It makes it sound like it's shitty, but like no, it's it's no pun it, intended. It is uh it's a fantastic little uh I'm going to read about the uh I, I mean I don't want to say economy, but, you know, about, like, big businesses and stuff like that. So uh, definitely go check that out. Um, how, how would one go about checking that out? You can go to thepapertrails.org and sign up. You can uh, insert your name and email address. Uh, just check your email once you get a confirmation just to confirm that, and then you'll be getting that newsletter every morning. It took a little bit of a break since we have some stuff going on at home, but um, back at it. So definitely check it out. It's news of the news of what's going on sort of in the greater tech world, finance, the economy, um, tidbits and my personal takes on where certain things are going and my opinion on um, just just aspects of the economy. But there is something else that I'm on. Oh, I haven't posted. I haven't posted much on it, but I will be getting to it at some point. But I am on TikTok oh. at Skyrise underscore Excellence. <laughs> you can follow me there. And just I love like that my... we gave you this shitty nickname. That's a complete joke, and you just ran with it. That's wonderful. It's, I, I'm sorry. What do you mean shitty nickname? Um, <laughs> you, I said what I said. Fuck it. Wow. Uh, this is well, the yeah. thanks I get. This is the thanks I get for my patronage, for my great ideas. For all of it, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I am the beacon that lights your way, and this is what I get. True. Do you think I can have a career in acting, too? Mm, probably not. Okay. Don't stretch yourself too thin. Um, I need to at this point. Porn. Oh, oh my. Uh, okay. Did yeah. You, wait, um, did you say is, porn? He did. Yeah. Is yeah. there anything else that you want to pimp? Real not quick? porn. <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah, I gotta go to the. I gotta go to next year's. <laughs> 
That and body pillows. I'll see you at MomoCon next year. Oh, <laughs> uh, all right. Well, if you have nothing else to uh, to throw out there, contribute. I was just gonna say uh, thanks for having me. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Thank, thank you for showing up. Uh, last thing is that if uh, you want to be like Justin and give us money for all of our <laughs> for all of our that's hard how you work get on the show, that's how you. I mean, that's how you do it. You just give us money. Um, but uh, yeah, if if you like what we're doing here and you uh, you want to um, you know give us uh, a little bit of money to uh, show your appreciation for what we're doing. Just go to patreon.com slash culturebob. Toss us a pledge. There are some very cool perks. And uh, relatively soon, there will be some changes coming to those per- perks. So, um, you know, keep an eye out for that. And uh, once we start hitting our goals, even more content is coming. I know we've got, at this point, three podcasts and a YouTube channel. Uh, but if, uh, you know, if we can keep it up. You know, with your with your dollars, that would be fantastic. All right, boys, girls, children of all ages, let's get out of here. D Generation X proudly bring. Oh, what what? D Generation, yeah. <laughs> we're uh, no, I we're it's. T- I'm tired. I'm tired. We need to go. Yeah. All right. Until next time. Goodbye. Thank you.